0: Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions, please email us at info at If you would like to support this ministry financially, visit us at capitalchristian.com and click the give button in the top right corner. It's been absolutely incredible to be able to go through the text line upon line. And we've gotten, we've arrived at chapter three. We did it. We are halfway there. And so my husband left off um, at the beginning of chapter three. So we're going to take up right there and my husband you know I'm I kind of I'm kind of have to give him a hard time about this but he kind of left me the hardest text to preach <laughs> this is not the maybe the most fun text to preach um, we're gonna talk about sexual sin and anger this morning so are you ready for that um, but Paul Paul talks about it and so we're gonna talk about it this morning and we're gonna see what the Bible has to say um, really about holiness this morning and so really what this message is is a call to holiness, and we're going to talk about what holiness means, and we left off in chapter 3 at the beginning of verse 1, and I want to start here, and it says this, and I believe we'll have it up there for you too. It says, starting in verse 1, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died. Turned to your neighbor and said, You have died. If you didn't know it, you have died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And this is our main text today. Paul says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once, I love that, note the word, once walked when you were living in them. But now, can you say but now? But now you must put them all away, Paul says. Anger, wrath, And in all. Can you turn to your neighbor this morning and say, I am hidden in Christ today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are right here in our midst this morning. God, we thank you that your word is alive and living, it's active. It divides between our soul and spirit, bone and marrow, it's the discerner of our thoughts. Lord, let your word go forth in power today and accomplish what you send it to do. Lord, it's not my words, it's your words. So Lord, let your words be spoken clearly today and penetrate our hearts and change us from the inside out. Lord, we wanna be holy as you are holy. And so Lord, I pray today that we would hear the call to holiness and we would say yes to all that you have for us today. Speak through me, Jesus. And we love you today. We honor you in Jesus' name, amen. Can you say amen this morning? Well, there's, <clears throat> I, don't you love it when people say this? There's two types of people in this world, right? Because we all know there's more than two types. But there really are, I think, two types of people. There's people who like to keep everything, and there's people who like to get rid of stuff. Okay, so now maybe there's a, so you're right in the middle there. But I know a lot of people, they like to keep Everything. I tend to fall over on this side. I like to get rid of stuff. Okay. I am the opposite of a hoarder. I actually have to be careful because I will just throw too much stuff away. I don't wear. Who else is with me? Who who's my thrower awayers or my get rid of? I just don't like clutter. I don't like a lot of junk. I feel really bad. Like I don't. Don't get me wrong. I am sentimental when it comes to certain things. I'm not. I'm not cold hearted. I don't throw away all my kids' artwork. Just some of it. Okay. I, I keep I keep the big ones like their first house drawing, their first person drawing. I mean, those are special. But after about a thousand of them, they all look the same. Okay, I'm sorry, I can't keep every single one of them. And once your kids go in school, it's like a hundred papers per kid a day that comes home. And so I'm you know the worst though is when your kids catch your artwork their artwork in the garbage, and then you're like, you have to like, how did that get in there? Oh. Oh my gosh I'm so glad you found it and then you got to take it and uncrumple it and you got to walk it to the fridge and you got to put it on the fridge front and center and that now piece of what was going to be garbage is now like on your fridge for you got to make up for it so like a good year right before you can take that piece of artwork down and so I I promise I do have a box of artwork that I love and I'm sentimental when it comes to certain things I love cards pretty much any if you've written me a card I still have it I really love cards and notes and letters if you know me. I love pictures. I really value pictures. So there are things that are very important to me. But when it comes to stuff, I really don't hold on to things. I kind of just like to get rid of stuff. You know, if the laundry starts piling up, I'll just be like, let's just get rid of it and go get some new clothes. I don't really feel like doing laundry. Has anybody else ever <laughs> done I'm not a laundry person. It's not my strength. Oh my gosh, it just adds up so fast. And so sometimes I'll, I'll admit if my kids are out of dirty clothes, we'll just go to Target, and get a cheap outfit, okay? Because it's just too much work. But, anyways, I'm just kind of a get, I like to get rid of stuff. I don't like a lot of clutter. Well, um, my husband and I, at the beginning of this week on Monday, got a letter in the mail. And um, we we were already having a busy week this week. We had a lot going on. And on top of that, I was preparing to, to speak today. And so it was a busy week for us. And kids were going back to school. There was just a lot going on. So the last thing we expected was to get a letter in the mail adding another big thing on our plate. And it was a letter from our homeowner. So we rent a home down in Boise. We've lived there for about two years, and we love it. And we got this letter from our homeowner saying, hey, we're, we're going to come on Friday and just do a walkthrough of the house. You know, well, I was like, wait, what? This week? Oh my gosh, of all weeks. And so I called them and I just like, you know, I was like, a kind word turns away wrath, you know, I'm like, let's just be kind and like, you know, hopefully they'll they'll will I can negotiate with them. And I was like, is there any way? you know, this week's a busy week for us. And they're like, no, sorry, we're coming on Friday. But how many of you know, sometimes these things are blessings in disguise because God will sometimes take the, give us something we don't want, give us notice for something we don't really want to deal with, but it's actually a gift because it causes us to get it done because at the beginning of this summer, I had a a huge to-do list, and on that to-do list was I really wanted to get our garage cleaned out. Our garage, probably like many of yours, has become a dumping ground just for stuff, and so I I couldn't handle it. I wanted to just declutter it and get rid of it all, and our backyard, I'm sorry, my husband and I, we don't claim to be landscapers. We're (laughs) We're not gardeners. We're not yard people. Our yard had gotten shamefully pretty atrocious. And so it was pretty bad. So these were projects that I had had on my summer to do list to get done. But I love summer. I live for summer. And I wanted to, summer goes too fast. It really does. And so I wanted to soak up every ounce of summer with my kids. And so we were hardly even home this summer. So my to do list didn't get done. Well, Wouldn't you know it? The Holy Spirit—he's faithful. He gave us a fun summer, but then the second our kids went back to school, he said, "Okay, it's time to get it done." And so we—it forced us to do it. And so we had a on top of a busy week, we had to go into full cleaning mode, cleaning out our backyard, doing cleaning out our garage, doing dump runs. Okay, I know I'm an odd duck, but I love a good dump run. Is anyone else with me? Oh, it's the best feeling in the world. I love going to the dump. I know that is so weird. It's disgusting. It's gross. It's dirty. It stinks. But there is just, there's nothing like that feeling of just throwing stuff out. Oh, it's the best feeling feeling just getting rid of junk and you just feel free and light and happy it's the best feeling if you've never done it I I encourage you to (laughs) encourage you to do it it's therapeutic it's it's amazing it's I think Chris took one of the guys with him this week to help with it I was actually so sad I couldn't go on the dump run this week but he took someone with him who had never gone and Chris was telling me I was just cracking up that he was like so this is what the dump is like this is, this is awesome. I could do this all day. What else can we get rid of, you know? Because it's just the best feeling to just get rid of stuff and to feel free from clutter. And so we were put in that position this week to just get it done and clean out our house. And thankfully, the walkthrough went amazing. God is faithful. And we're still living in the house, okay? But I don't think it's a coincidence that the same week God was asking me to preach on putting things to death... That are earthly, he also told me to clean out my natural house. I don't think anything's a coincidence in Jesus. You see, our status in regards to the house hadn't changed. We already were living there, it was already a done deal. But just because we lived there, we still had to get some junk out. Can I tell you the same is true for us? You are in Christ, you are a new creation. It's already a done deal. Christ has moved into your heart and taken over. But because of that, Paul says, therefore, you need to get some junk out. We are eating at McDonald's, no offense to McDonald's, when Christ has prepared a five-star meal for us. Why are we sitting in that old restaurant, that old way of thinking? Why are we going in those old patterns when Christ Has called us to be a new creation and to put on the new self that He He says you have been hidden in Christ. You are a new creation. Don't set your minds on things on earth, but set your minds on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Your status has already been determined. You are in Christ, but because of that, there is some junk that we need to get rid of today, immediately. Amen. Paul says, put to death therefore. What does that word mean, put to death? It means to mortify. It means to deaden. It literally means that. When I looked it up in the concordance, I didn't even know it was a word. To deaden something. It's, what's funny is that my kids say this all the time, and I think it's adorable. Because they don't use the word kill, which I'm glad. Like, I don't really like that word. But if they were to kill a bug, they would say, mom, I deaded it. They don't understand the right use of the word, but there's something powerful about that. They kind of get it. They deaded it. It's no longer kind of what needs to happen with Chris vegan jokes. Am I right? Am I right? Every single Sunday. Just kidding. Just kidding. There's some things you just got to put to death. It's had its time. It's done. And all the vegans said, "Amen." Anybody? <laughs> Anybody? Okay, so it means, what does that word mean, deaden? It means to take away its power. It means to not indulge your evil desires. It means to entirely subdue your evil propensities so that no life remains in them. Like a plant denied water, it will eventually stop growing if you don't feed it. Have you discovered that with any of your plants? If you don't feed it, it's not going to grow. To gratify any sensual appetite is to give it the very food and nourishment by which it lives And thrives. You've got to cut it off. You've got to put it to death. Okay, if you if you if someone's an alcoholic, they can't keep hanging around bars, okay? You gotta give it a good hard no and not look back. The Bible says, flee temptation. Don't flirt with it. We have too many people flirting with temptation. They're thinking, well, I'm not crossing the line, I'm just putting my toe by the line. No, the Bible says you've got to flee. What's the image? You've got to run from it. Not run to it. You've got to run from it. We've got to put to death what is earthly in us. Why? So that we can put on what is ours in Christ. And we're going to talk about that next week. So what is earthly in us? Can I give you the Bible this morning? Okay, don't shoot the messenger. This is what, this is what Paul says, okay? N- number one, sexual immorality. This is earthly in us. What is sexual immorality? It's fornication. It's sex outside of marriage. The Gentiles at the time did not consider this to be sinful. But I'm sorry, the Bible is very explicit that sex is for the marriage bed alone. That's how God designed it. That's what God made it for. Chris talks about this, that that evil is a good twisted. Sex is a good thing. It's a beautiful thing that God created for man and woman in holy matrimony. But what does the enemy do? He takes something good and he cheapens it. He twists it. He perverses it. He takes something that God has called good and holy and beautiful and he cheapens it and makes it cheap. <laughs> There's no other word, just No other way to say it. And so but Paul is explicit. Sexual immorality. This is earthly in us. We are not to participate in it. Impurity, he says. This is all other impure and unclean actions, such as adultery, incest, and every other unnatural lust. He goes on to say passion. What does this mean? Is this, is this good passion? It's not what you think. It means inordinate affection. It means an unnatural and excessive desire or lust for something or someone that you cannot be reasoned out of. What is It says, Paul says, put to death in you evil desire. This is a longing for what is forbidden. It's every fleshly desire and lust for that which does not belong to you, but is another man's property, wife or goods or anything that is his. And lastly, he says, put to death covetousness. This is sexual greed, fantasy. It's never having Enough. It is actually remarkable that Paul always ranks covetousness with these base and detestable passions. Meaning that covetousness actually steals and secures for itself the affection that properly belongs to God. And is therefore idolatry. Of all of the base and earthly passions, this is the one which most dethrones God in our soul. So Paul says, in these two you once walked. Isn't that encouraging? It's a, it's a message of grace because this is not a message of condemnation. This is a message of grace. How many of you could say yes in those I too once walked. But you got to hear what Paul is saying. He's he's not this is not a word of condemnation and judgment, but this is a this is a father urging us as his children saying in these you too once walked. But when you were living in them. What is the implication? That we should no longer be living in these things. Paul is pretty explicit about it. If you call yourself a Christ follower, you should have no part in sexual sin. Why? Because the body belongs to the Lord. The body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have put on the new self. We are hidden In Christ. The Spirit of Jesus lives and dwells in us. So, why would we go? Back to that old way of living, twisting and perverting what God has called to be holy and good and pure. Hear the, hear the heart of Paul this morning saying, in these you too once walked, but no more. You've got to put it to death. Paul says we've got to be done with this. We've got to graduate out of these elementary things and step into a new level with Jesus, Amen. So I'm going to read to you 1 Corinthians 6, 12. I'm going to read to you a lot of scriptures today. And I don't think we were able to get them up on the screen. So you're just going to have to put, as I tell my children, your are listening ears on and listen really well. But this is a long scripture, but I really want to, I, I couldn't condense it because it was just so good. But this is what Paul, I encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 5 and 6. Paul talks a lot about sexual sin, and, and, and it's, it's, good, it's, a good, it's a lot of good stuff in there, so I encourage you to read it. But here's just a chunk of it, starting in verse 12. Paul says this, just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I'd be a slave to my whims. You know the old saying, first you eat to live and then you live to eat. Well, it may be true that the body is only a temporary thing, but that's no excuse for stuffing your body with food or indulging it with sex. Since the master's, master honors you with a body, honor him with your body. God honored the master's body by raising it from the grave. He will treat yours with the same resurrection power. Until that time, remember that, you, that your bodies are created with the same dignity as the master's body. You wouldn't take the master's body off to a whorehouse, would you? I should hope not. There's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. As written in scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. The kind of sex that can never become one. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies, these bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love, for becoming one with another. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. Why are we to abstain from sexual sin? Because our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are meant to glorify God in and through our body. People are meant to see God in you because it's his temple. So Paul goes on to say, moving along, at the end of Colossians 3 in verse 8, after he addresses sexual sin, he kind of sh- seemingly shifts a little bit here. And he says, uh, but now you must put them all away. So the implication is, okay, we've dealt with that. We shouldn't be operating in sexual sin. But now let's, for lack of a better word, go to the next level. Let's also put these things away. And he says this. Put away all anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk. That word anger means violent passion. It's indignation. It's vengeance. That word wrath means to literally breathe hard with anger. It's a fierceness. That word malice is just badness. It's naughtiness, wickedness, maliciousness. Slander is blasphemy or evil speaking against God or railing on someone, an obscene talk. This is filthy language, shameful or vile conversation that's not pleasing to God. Ephesians 4.29 says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. Why does Paul tie sexual sin with anger here? It's because the root of both is the objectification of another. It's dehumanizing behavior, as Chris says. It's devaluing someone and their worth. It's the opposite of God's love. It's selfish. It's gratifying the flesh. It's self-focused, not others-focused. Galatians 5.13 says this, It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and thus destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out. In no time at all, you will be annihilating each other. And where will your precious freedom be then? My counsel is this, live freely, animated, and motivated by God's spirit. Then you will not feed the compulsions of selfishness. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with a free spirit. Just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. These two ways of life are antithetical so that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day. Why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? That was Galatians five thirteen through 18. One more scripture I wanna read, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 says this. Don't you realize that this is not the way to live? Unjust people who don't care about God will not be joining in his kingdom. Those who use and abuse each other, use and abuse sex, use and abuse the earth and everything in it do not qualify as citizens in God's kingdom. A number of you know from experience what I'm talking about. For not so long ago, you were on that list. Since then, you've been cleaned up and given a fresh start by Jesus, our master, our Messiah, and by our God present in us, the Spirit. Again, such were some of us, but we were cleansed and forgiven. We are not to go back to that old way of living that, as Chris teaches, our, our five- and six-year-old kids will ultimately lead to death. Even our five- and six-year-olds, they get it. You know, that we every choice that we make, does it bring life or does it bring death? That old way of living will eventually lead to death. God doesn't want that for you. He wants something better for you. This is not, God doesn't sit on his throne judging you. This is out of his love for you, his great love for you. What kind of a parent would I be if I didn't want the best for my kids, if I didn't know there was a better way, if if I didn't believe the best for them? That's what God does for us. It's because of his great love for us he's motivated by his love for us that he speaks truth to us and that he calls us out of that old way of living into a new way of living. We are to be led by the spirit. We are not to walk in the flesh, Romans eight says. It says we are to walk in the spirit and be led by the spirit. But sadly, I think that we are a generation that values happiness over holiness. We probably do. If something makes me happy, or if something makes me feel good, then it must be okay. How often do we hear that? Just do what makes you happy. Do what makes you feel good. But what if what makes me happy brings harm to another? Is it okay then? How do we create a common standard for happiness? And where do we draw the line? What if happiness for one is defined by using and abusing another for their pleasure? We cannot value happiness over holiness. Jesus did not save us for happiness. He saved us for holiness. So Chris said it last week, holiness is our starting point. Why? Because Jesus is our starting point. Holiness is not the pathway to Jesus. Jesus is the pathway to holiness. We do not make ourselves holy. Jesus said, come and follow me and be holy as I am holy. Our good works do not make us holy. Jesus makes us holy. Jesus is our starting point and he is the pathway to holiness. You see, holiness serves God. Happiness serves us. Happiness does not lead to holiness, but you can guarantee that holiness will lead to true happiness, which God calls joy. So what is holiness? Holiness is purity of heart. It's being set apart. It's inwardly different, not just outwardly. This is a key, and I want us to make sure we get this today. What we're not talking about is outward behavior modification. We're not talking about that we're talking about a deep inward spiritual transformation or purification that is initiated by Jesus, initiated by the Holy Spirit. It's not us pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps trying to be better. It's a deep inward spiritual transformation that is initiated by Jesus. Because remember, he is our starting point. But I'm concerned a little bit for this generation because I do believe that in some ways we have let conviction go for fear of being called or considered legalistic. We focus too much on being cool and hip and blending in than we do about being different and set apart. But we are meant to be different. You're not meant to blend in with the world. Your life should be radically different than your unsaved friends. I'm sorry, but it should. Why would, I always say this, but why would anybody not following Jesus want to follow me if my life looks just like theirs? What, what's, what's different that I have to offer, that Jesus has to offer, I should say. And so our lives should look radically different. How can we expect our children to have courage to be different in a world that will critique their every move in their adolescent years if we ourselves are not different amongst our peers? You see, Paul is urging us to put to death that which is earthly in us so that the world can see Jesus in us. That is why if, if these earthly things remain, then Jesus cannot be seen. But God wants Jesus to be seen through us. And so therefore, we have to put to death some things. It says, I can't, I'm, I lost the reference, but it says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed with the renewing of your mind. Again, we're talking about transformation, heart transformation. Can I ask all of us some hard questions today? I'm asking myself too, and the Holy Spirit's been challenging me on these things. What are the shows and images that you're flooding your soul with? What is the music that you're filling your mind with? What are you putting inside your body, the temple of the Holy Spirit? What inappropriate thoughts are you thinking about that person? What language is coming out of your mouth when no one else is around? Remember, this is not about modifying behavior. It's dealing with the heart. And we all need this. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. We must let the Holy Spirit continue to convict us and make us holy as Jesus is. And the closer we walk with Jesus, the more we should see our need for holiness, Conviction should increase, not decrease. Isaiah said when coming face to face with God, woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. The closer we get to Jesus, the more we should see our need for Jesus. But remember when we first started off walking with Jesus, man, it's like we we threw this away, we threw that away, we threw this away. And then the more we walk with Jesus, it just seems like that just kind of diminishes a little bit. But really, it should only increase. The closer we get to Jesus, the more conviction should come. The more loving correction should come. Because why? Because he's making us holy, as he is holy. Can I ask you a question? If you found out someone that you really respect and admire. Maybe it's a leader in in the field that you're in. Maybe it's an expert in in, in the job that you work for or the interests that you have. Maybe it's the President of the United States. Maybe it's someone, a pastor or someone you watch on TV. Someone you really respect and admire. If you found out that in one hour they were gonna be at your front door, can I predict what would probably happen? (laughs) If you're like me, you would go into raging cleaning mode, right? You would just start throwing things in closet. You would get rid of the mess. You would clean up your kids. You'd clean up the dog. You'd put on your best outfit. You'd put a smile on your face. Why? Because you want to put your best foot forward, right? Why? Because that person that you respect and admire makes you want to be better. And suddenly makes you realize how you can be better. How much more should we do this with Jesus How much more? And he walks with us every single day, every single moment. It's not about behavior modification. It's not about just being better. But it's because we walk closely with Jesus. We want to be more like him. Amen. Last year the Holy Spirit really challenged Chris and I in some areas in our life. And uh, there's quite a few areas that the Holy Spirit was speaking to Chris and I. And I'm going to use one as an example. But and we, and what's crazy is that we didn't even talk about it. We didn't even know in Separately, we didn't know that the Holy Spirit had spoken to each of us individually about this. We just both had heard from the Holy Spirit and just kind of started doing it on our own. And it wasn't until three, about three or four months into it that we realized we both were doing it. And again, this is not about the issue. This is, this might not be something for you. This is a this is a personal conviction for us from the Holy Spirit. And so and this conviction was the music that we were listening to. And so we just said, you know what, we felt convicted by the Holy Spirit that for us and our family, we weren't going to listen to secular music anymore. And that was from the Holy Spirit. And, we, and really it stemmed from us, our kids getting older and starting to sing lyrics. Now, I, I, please, uh, don't be worried. I'm not talking about graphic lyrics here. But just, you know, like sayings that when you hear in a kid's mouth, you're like, meh, I don't really think they should be singing that. And we thought, if they shouldn't be singing it, they shouldn't be listening to it. If they shouldn't be listening to it, why are we listening to it? And why are we going to fill their minds with lyrics that aren't centered around God? And so we just both felt that conviction. And so both of us just over a year ago just stopped listening to secular music. And we said, every opportunity we can, we're going to flood our kids with worship. So we would have worship on. And our kids love worship because of it. When we get in the car, Quincy always says, Mom, put on worship. They love worship. Why? Because we've chose to flood their minds with it. And that one choice for us triggered a series of other things that the Holy Spirit began to do. We all need these adjustments, okay? You know, just like our back probably needs constant adjustments, we all need these adjustments in our lives. That the Holy Spirit says, you know what, let's tweak that. Let's not do that. Let's change this, okay? And so for us, that one decision triggered a series of events that the Holy Spirit was just working on in us. And we all need that, amen? So Paul is dealing with the heart in Colossians 3 here. What does this mean? We gotta move on. Matthew 5, 8 says this, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Two parts to this, it's inner moral purity, as opposed to just the image of purity. It's a deep inner moral purity. And number two, it's a single undivided heart. It's those who are utterly sincere and not divided in their devotion and commitment to God. They are single-minded in their pursuit of God. James 4.8 tells us that the double-minded need to purify their hearts. So therefore, there is a connection between the impure heart and the double-minded man. Double-minded people, James tells us, are tossed to and fro with the wind. Why? Because they have one foot in and one foot out. They are not completely devoted to God. So purity and holiness is the inner core of a person. It's the heart of who we are. It's the thoughts and the motivations. It's not content with simply right actions, but asks for integrity in the doing of those actions. It's a consistency between the inner springs of one's conduct and the conduct itself. Psalm 24 tells us that it's not enough to just have clean hands, but we also must wash our hearts of wickedness. And not allow any secret heart impurities. It says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. For such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. You see, in this beatitude, the truly pure of heart receive the most wonderful reward greater intimacy with God than they could ever imagine. Ultimately, this relationship and intimacy with God must become our greatest motivation for purity, Not greater than a fear of getting caught or consequences from impure living. We must be motivated by a desire for greater intimacy with Jesus. The earthly sins that Paul tells us to put to death have a definite binding effect upon us. But the one who stays pure of heart is free from these corruptions and is free to see God at work all around them. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. I close with this charge found in Philippians 2, starting in verse 14. I love this scripture so much. It says, go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. I love this. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. That's what we're meant to do as Christ followers. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. We are to carry the light-giving message into the night so that I will have good cause to be proud of you on the day Christ returns. You will be the living proof, Paul says, that I did not go to all this work for nothing. You see, this world is full of crookedness and perverseness. It's polluted air. And the more crooked and perverse others are among us, the more we are to guard to keep ourselves pure and blameless. This is why the Bible urges us over and over to guard our hearts. For out of our heart springs every issue of our life. You see, we are to be blameless before men, and sincere towards God. We are to live our lives in such a way that no one should have even any question or occasion to question our lifestyle. Our goal should be to endeavor not to, to just not sin, but to not even come under the suspicion of it. We are to be blameless. As Christ's followers, we are to be the fresh, clean air in a polluted, corrupt world. We are to be untainted, uncorrupted, Unpolluted, clean, and pure. We are meant to be the air purifiers bringing fresh, clean air. We are meant to be the luminaries of heaven bringing light all around us. Paul says, put to death, therefore, that which is earthly in you so that you can put on what is yours in Christ. Can I ask you a question as we close today? What area in your heart or life is the Holy Spirit calling you to be different? Is there maybe a standard of purity and holiness that God is asking you to set for your friends or in your workplace or in your family? You see, we must give our kids and those around us courage and permission to be different. How? By being different ourselves. The greatest thing I've come to realize that I can pray over my kids and I've begun to pray this over them, God, give them a pure heart. For then they shall see you. They shall see you, and through them, others will see you. God is asking us today to come higher. The Holy Spirit is speaking to all of us today to be holy and pure as he is. Remember, it's Jesus who initiates, who leads us in this. And I believe that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to some of you. Maybe he's been speaking to you during this message, or maybe he's been speaking to you for a while. But like Adam and Eve in the garden, it goes all the way back there. We believed a subtle lie. What did, what did the Satan do? He came to Adam and Eve in the garden, and he said, did God really say? Can I tell you the enemy will do that to you? Did God really say you can't eat that? You can't have that? You can't listen to that? You can't watch that? You can't wear that? Did God really say that? Come on. And besides, you're better than most. It's a scary lie to believe because can I tell you, people are not our standard setter. Jesus is our standard setter. It's not about being better than most. It's not about being good enough. It's about being like Jesus. It's about becoming more and more like Jesus every single day. So when was the last time you let Jesus, the Holy Spirit, correct you? When was the last time you really felt conviction or you felt challenged in your thinking? It really should happen quite often as we walk with Jesus probably even every single day because none of us are perfect. We are far from perfect and none of us have fully arrived. But let's strive to be like Jesus as we walk closer with him. Let, this, let, this, let that be our motivation, not fear of consequence or fear of getting caught, but a desire for greater intimacy with Jesus. And in that, in that intimacy with Jesus, holiness comes, purity comes, We see him as he really is. And in us, people get to see him. We provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. So I wanna ask you today, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Is there an area in your heart that you realize, you know what, I haven't really let God in. I haven't let God really deal with that. God's been speaking to me about this or God's been trying to show me this, but I've kind of pushed it aside. I believe that lie. Did God really say, can I tell you, God is speaking to us all the time. He is always challenging us, causing us to come to a higher level. It's us who aren't listening. It's us who aren't dialing in, who aren't tuning in. So I want to encourage us today. Let's draw close to Jesus. And as we draw close to Jesus, he will make us holy as he is holy. I am going to close with reading Psalm 51. And then we're going to close in prayer. And I want us to sing one more song before we end today. But if you could go ahead and close your, close your eyes, bow your heads. I wanna read this Psalm over us today and let this really be a prayer, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of turning back to Jesus, a call to greater holiness, right living, that we wanna be more like Jesus. Jesus is our starting point. He is the pathway to holiness. And in Psalm 51, it says this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Lord, that's our prayer today. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. For then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Thank you, Jesus. With every eye closed, I just want to ask you today, as we talked about these things that Paul says we need to put to death, that which is earthly in us, and he talked about sexual sin and he talked about anger in different forms. Both of these things, like we talked about, It devalues another person. It's dehumanizing behavior. God has called us to love and to serve one another and to glorify God in and through our bodies. If you felt challenged in any way this morning, if you feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, this is between you and the Holy Spirit, but I wanna give you an opportunity to respond this morning. You feel that God is calling you to a greater level of holiness today. You wanna step into a greater level of purity Of heart today. You want to step into a greater level of intimacy with Jesus today. For blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Maybe your heart's cry this morning is, you just, you want to see God. That's the cry of your heart. God, I want to see you. I want to know you as you truly are. Forgive me that I've I've tried to do it on my own. Forgive me that I've allowed these, these things to corrupt my heart when you have called me to be like you. Lord, come and cleanse our hearts this morning. Forgive us of our sin. Remove it as far as the east is from the west. We, wish, we just want to be like you, Jesus. We want to be like you. And if you feel the Holy Spirit is calling you this morning, can you be bold this morning and just stand up? No one's looking around. This is between you and the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Capital Christian. We hope you will stay connected by following us online. To find out more information, visit us at capitalchristian.com.